Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. That's the way you play the game, right? You got it. Fly ball, shallow right. This is going to do it. Chris Bryant will make the catch, and the Cubs win the ball game 12-3. to Yeah, it's huge. I mean, the thing about the bullpen throwing so well, and when you use them, you also have to give days off. There were, there were two guys, the important guys that were down today, and you need that, that performance from Kyle again. Um, was huge to save, save, save arms, to, to give guys rest, to, to stay off still another, you know, we only had to use one, one, one real bench player today. We got, we, we, you know, Teeny uh, came in there late for, for a pinch hit, but um, you know, in moments like that and, and performances like that, it just really helps the group as a whole to, to recover when you have um, a lot of other things going on. That was David Ross, Cubs manager, talking about how it's great when your race doesn't suck. And before that, Pat Hughes calling the last out of the Cubs 12-3 victory over their evil, dreaded rival Cardinals. First game of a weekend series, game two tonight. And uh, that was heard and will be heard right here on The Score. That's the radio station you're listening to, WSCR 670 AM. This is Saturday Suckage. We're broadcasting from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. And there was a, Mark, it was a nice little game, nice little one-run game. It was close. It was a that kind of battle you expect between two teams, even in a sucky division, but at least rivals. And then all of a sudden, the eighth inning happened. That was a thing. That was all of a sudden, the Cubs look, oh, my God. Look, the Cardinals, the Cardinals suck. Their bullpen sucks. They're bad at the end. The Cardinals suck. Yachty sucks. Arenado sucks. The Cardinals, yay. The Cardinals suck. And that's kind of what it felt like watching that. Yeah, and it was starting to turn into, in the Cardinals' seventh inning, Cubs are up 4-2, to two, and Anthony Rizzo makes a bad error. Like, one you don't expect him to make just a glove a ground ball to Rizzo he doesn't transfer it from glove to hand to make the little flip to to Kyle Hendricks and it's just it's just straight up error so then right after that it's like ah now here comes David Ross this with two outs mind you he Mm -hmm. he takes out Kyle Hendricks because clearly he had planned to okay this is going to be it no matter what pulls out Kyle Hendricks Tommy Nance comes in and uh, and uh, or he singles in a run. It's four three, and you're like, ah, this that's the way I thought the game was going. Like this is this is the Rizzo error game, 
And then, yeah, eighth inning, great things happen. Magical contact man, Eric Sogard with the RBI hit to open the floodgates. KB walks with the bases loaded, and the, and the Cardinals imploded. They imploded. The the Kyle Hendricks. No, More you're, like when you're, you're error or not, like by the way. Error or not, yeah. Well, well, we'll get to him in just a moment. But yeah. Kyle Hendricks, when your ace yeah. is your ace, he's back to being your ace. And this is... What you were waiting for, what you if you're a Cub fan, you, you wanted to exhale because this was the first time he'd put together back-to-back consecutive quality starts. He gave up one earned run over six and two-thirds innings, and it was even better the last time out. So he'd done that, and now you're, you, you have reason to think, okay, you can exhale and say, I think at least this guy knows where he's going. It's still a shame we have Zach Davies instead of you Darvish. And at this early stage, there's like two full wins between them, between what they're doing. And that's even with Davies not sucking like he did early in the season. But at least the Hendricks start was, if you're a Cub fan, don't you think this is like, oh, my God, at least one of them. We can cover one of them. And that's what David Ross sounded like last night. Yes. I mean, he's still really the the only guy who you can project – as dependable as as a starting pitcher, a a starting pitcher in maybe the postseason. Other than that, there's nobody. There's nobody. I mean, it's not Jake Arrieta. It's not Zach Davies. It's not the guy that's pitching today, Edward Alzali. All of these guys, like, can be good at times, but there is nobody that you could look at except for Kyle Hendricks to say, yeah, he's your best pitcher, and we, we can depend on him doing what he does every single game. And hopefully he's gotten back into that mode. Every year, Kyle Hendricks does hit a uh, a spot where he struggles, and usually he finds something in his mechanics, in his delivery. And if you ask David Ross, it's always fastball command with anybody, by the way. I don't know if he actually means that. That's just his go-to answer. Well, why is this guy better? Fastball command. Why fastball is this guy command. better? Fastball command. Why is he better? Not fastball command. It's always fastball command. It's Because it's like a generic, it's a generic answer that you can't argue with. You know what I mean? Like, so you mm-hmm. can't be like, oh, what are you talking? No. It's like, it's like a back injury. Oh, he's got a back injury. Really? Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, Hendricks has to be good. Or you got nothing because I still like, and I said it before the season started. It this this season it has been about the fact that they traded you Darvish, their best pitcher, which has left you with a roster full of guys who, if the Cubs were to make the playoffs somehow, how exactly do you line up a starting rotation of playoff pitchers with that group? You know, well with Kyle Hendricks, and then hope for three days of rain, and then Kyle Hendricks, <clears throat> yeah. That's the way you're gonna have to do it. <laughs> that, or what? Can can Craig Kimbrell become like a? Can you can you make him be your your your? What do you call it? The when the guy pitches just two innings. The what opener. do we call that? It's not a starter. It's your the, the, opener. the opener. The opener. The opener. I was yeah. having trouble. Right. Yeah. Maybe Craig Kimbrell could be your opener one day. Well, Who he's actually looked like a closer well, recently. I wouldn't want to mess with that. But, but. So right. the game starts yesterday. Right. Jock, exactly. Jock Peterson homers. First fans of the stands. Finally. Cubs, Cardinals, we haven't seen And Jock Peterson goes yard. So he came back on March 4th from an injured list, tendonitis in his left wrist, and he has not sucked. 
He is slashing. Are you sitting down? 396, 433, 528 in two weeks, 14 games. The first 16 games of the year, apparently injured and sucking. 137, 262, 235. He was the poster child for Saturday suckage. So that's the guy that the Cubs got. Meanwhile, the guy the Cardinals got, the one that made them division favorites, Nolan Arenado, he went 0 for 3 and made two errors, closing in on his, what, his platinum glove, his whatever it is. And it prompted me, I know it's only one game, and I know it's May, but I had some fun doing this because Jock Peterson is that kind of guy who just sort of bumps through the regular season and then the playoffs come, and he's a different guy. Nolan Arenado is the guy. It's October. Yeah, he is October, right. And Nolan Arenado puts the no in postseason. He's been in the postseason, <laughs> but he has uh-huh. sucked in the postseason. He has he's been. that and, guy. Well, that guy shrinks in the moment. He's been in the postseason for three different series. He's batting 190. That doesn't matter, you wow. see. You just need to get on base. Okay, his OBP is 174. He's slugging 333. He has one home run, seven strikeouts, no walks. Wait, wait, wait. I So he's he's hitting 190 with an OBP of 170? Did I may have covered this copied this wrong. That doesn't sound that How do you have a lower OBP than your average? Um, Maybe it's possible, well, but I've just never seen it before. All right, I'm gonna have to go back and do. I'll this double check this because of um, because you know, Nolan Arenado is the worst baseball player of yeah. all time. Um, no, he's I'll, not. I'll double he check. Just, he just happens to be a guy whose early playoff line. I mean, Mike Trout's not got a pretty playoff line, but it it was struck me as interesting that this was a wasn't a playoff game, wasn't a playoff series, wasn't anything like that. It wasn't even June. But the guy at the top of the Cubs lineup, they're right. Doesn't he have to consider their big offseason acquisition? Isn't that how you have to look at it? And the way he started the season, you go, oh, my God, this is it. And now in May, coming back and apparently healthy, Jock Peterson is wow, he's getting into this rivalry. And Nolan Arenado, they, they, they were golden auto, remember? Goldschmidt, Arenado. This was going to be terrorizing to the Cubs pitching staff of soft tossers. And he goes 0 for 3 and makes two errors. And I just looked at what he'd done in the postseason. And Jock Peterson, and so it feels like a playoff game. I don't know that I expect Nolan Arenado to... Keep playing like this in Cubs, Cardinals games, but for one game, anyways, Jack Peterson won that game, and the Cubs won that game. So I I did confirm well, your yeah, go ahead. I did confirm your stats there, Rosie. Yeah, he has an OBP of lo- lower than his batting average in the postseason, and I think that has something to do with the fact that he has. 23 plate appearances with 21 at bats. So there's some goofy math that goes on there. I'm not going to try to figure it out, but 
I that would be my guess as to why that happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the numbers are what they are, but but is there anything I just never that seen looks it like a playoff force? Are there any of those numbers that look like a playoff force in there, Trash Panda? No, it, it's pretty bad. It, I mean, it's below replacement level bad, like really, <laughs> yes. really bad. It He's is. four so for one. 21 in the postseason. Yes, he is. He has got middle. a grand total Sounds of to me. three RBI. And he seven played some of those games in Coors Field, remember? Yes. Okay. Just so you I'd guys bring that are up trying for to say game. that you'd, you guys would rather have David Bodie playing third than Nolan Arenado. That's what you guys are trying to say. That's your thesis. I did not say statement. that. That's what Rosie was maybe yeah, getting at. That's I'd, what's going on here. I did not say that's, that. That's what's yes. happening. I yep. want Aramis Bodie playing third base for me so I can have Chris Bryant play everywhere else. And by the way, this the Cardinals bullpen sucks. I mean, they have they do have their seven, eight, nine guys. Reyes, Gallegos, and Cabrera. They have their they have their bullpen lined up. They have their three guys. The problem is they were using them all the time. So what the Cubs benefited by that eighth inning was perfect. The Whitley, Webb, and the Elledge disaster firm were guys who, I think this was according to stats or MLB, <clears throat> Webb has been joyously brutal, allowing a base runner in each of his last 11 outings, conceding an earned run in five of seven outings in May, brings his season ERA to, are you sitting down, 12.41, and his whip, walks and hits, innings pitched, 2.35. That's ridiculous. So that's what the part of the Cardinals bullpen, when they can't use the guys they always want to use, that's who they use, and the Cubs did to them what the Cubs should do to them. And that has to bring joy to the to Cub fans. So they, hey, the Cardinals have our problems. Cardinals, look at, look at that. They're going to be chasing bullpen arms the whole year. Isn't that great? That's a smile. Yeah, and you've had a lot of are you sitting down moments already today, Stephen? We've still got a little bit less than two hours of show to go. Do you suppose there's going to be more are you there, sitting down moments? Because I've been sitting most of this show, so I... I'm just making sure, Mark. I, I haven't that. asked you to buckle up, and we're not yeah. asking you to mask up. I just want to make sure you're sitting down so that you can handle it. And we will handle our next guest. We will welcome Jim Margallis of Sox Machine in... They're certainly been in the news the last little while, dispatching their division rivals, and then they go up against, they go up to the, sit at the adult table, and we saw a terrific game. Are you sitting down for all the strikeouts and no walks and no runs yesterday, Mark? Were you sitting down for that? Were you sitting on your couch, Mark? For the most part, I was, and I, I'm sitting down right now, and it's, it's, the Sox and uh, Yankees are underway. No score in the, the bottom of the first inning. All right. We will see what uh, what this means to the Sox machine. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Saturday Suckage. Thanks for joining us. We suck so you don't have to. It's our pleasure. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Life uh, finds a way. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast listen to every mlb game live the deep left center field it is high it is far it is gone stream minor league affiliates the midwest league home run leader Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's a ground ball to third, and it's Urshela going to second. And that is a triple play for the Yankees to close out the top of the ninth inning. Well, I look at what uh, what Andrew did. He made hard contact, and that made a triple play. You know, that ball side to side, it breaks, in, breaks the inning open, but that's baseball. That's Tony La Russa. Hey, look, he defended his player for doing the right thing. He, he was right Hello, about I'm, that. Mark Grody was saying, Andrew, you've just made all the outs. It was Mark Grody tweeting, Andrew, how horrible. You've just made all the outs. Yeah, I just kind of pictured Daryl Boston putting his arm around him, looking him in the eye and said, kid, here, here's the deal. I just want you to understand what happened here. And and he is wide-eyed. Like he's kind of, Andrew Vaughn kind of has those surprise Always. eyes all the time, yeah. right? So it's like, hey, here, here's what happened. Just to, you, you just made all the outs, and we, we don't want that to happen. Although... <laughs> Watching the sock game, Andrew Vaughn just made an excellent catch in left field in the first inning. So he is he's totally redeeming himself on this day. He is far ahead on the Schwarberow meter of playing the outfield when he didn't expect it. So that's Mark yes. Rody, MC Rosenblum. Welcome and welcome back. Uh, you heard Jason Benetti calling the triple play in the top of the ninth. 
What you didn't hear was Jason Benetti on Chicago on NBC Sports Chicago calling the Evan Marshall walk-off inning. But we have a guest to talk about that. Indeed, on the Score Hotline, brought to you by Alpamani Nissan, Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue, or APNissan.com. We welcome in from Sox Machine, Jim Margalis. Jim, thanks for joining us. We wanted to save the bottom of the ninth for you. I appreciate <laughs> because, it. Yeah, because I think you you have you're always a thoughtful guest, and you looked at the game and amid all of the Tim Anderson BS detector going off and Tony Larusa embarrassing his team and endangering his players and all of that hoo ha. There mm-hmm. is the issue of Tony La Russa supposedly not being able to get outmanaged in the in the dugout, and yet share with the class what you saw last night about Tony La Russa getting outmanaged with pitching decisions in the dugout last night. Well, it, it seemed like he used his maybe fifth best reliever to record or try to record six high leverage outs in the eighth and ninth inning of a one-run game when he had a fully rested bullpen coming off an off day and Lucas Giolito going eight innings the game before. And, yeah, it's you know the classic closer usage of, I would say, like 15 years ago where he didn't use a closer on the road in a tie game because he wanted to save him for a save situation. And I think a lot of the game has advanced beyond that to where you have you know, two-inning closers. You have guys like Andrew Miller and Aroldis Chapman, uh, especially in big games, uh, stepping up and stretching out. You have guys like Josh Hader, who are singularly valuable for how they can handle multiple innings at a time. And yet Liam Hendricks was warm, but didn't come in because the game was tied and LaRusso said he was saving him for a 10th inning that never arrived because Evan Marshall was still out there. And I mean, Marshall did the job in the eighth. He was a little bit lucky to do so because he got a screamer of yeah. a, a laser that... Uh, ended up finding Yohan Makata, and a base-running mistake turned into a double play. But, you know, you still got three outs from Evan Marshall, which is fine, and, and basically I think you, you cash in the chips there. You don't ask for too much, and Larusa basically asked for too much. Yeah, he did. And, uh, you know, while I guess I was okay with Liam Hendricks not coming in, and my only reason is that Hendricks has been, and you don't stop bringing him in, but he, he has been a little bit, wobbly this year where it hasn't been particularly mm-hmm. clean but he's he I, I do think he'll get that back on um are you worried at all about liam hendricks a little bit like i've had a uh, recurring segment on my twitter account during games like trying to figure out like it's it's this date and i don't know if liam hendricks is any good and that's a bit of an overstatement <laughs> because he's like a, he's like a fine reliever you know just a good guy to have in a bullpen but you know when you're talking about $54 million when you're talking about like the main addition of an entire, you know, kind of make or break winter uh, being the, the centerpiece of that off season plan. That's I think where, you know, you need to find, <laughs> I guess that becomes more of an important question. And I think the last outing where he gave up or didn't give up on the fastball necessarily, but he went to his slider more, went to it more aggressively and got some ugly swings and misses. I think that might be where he finds his groove because the fastball was his calling card with Oakland, and I think uh, you know, it's got a lot of spin. And it's got you know, he locates it up in the zone, and it, it's been spectacularly successful, at least what it was over uh, the last one and a half years for Oakland. But I think you know maybe the game plan for hitters has adjusted a little bit, and maybe they're just selling out on the fastball against everything else, and you know maybe that's why you're seeing all the 
non-swings and misses. You're seeing the foul balls. You're seeing the uh, useful contact going to the outfield that he didn't have last year. So maybe he does need that slider and that curveball to mix things up a little bit, pitch backwards a little bit to to mess up the scouting reports. And hopefully that last outing he had was a a sign of things to come. We're talking with Jim Margalis of SoxMachine.com. Does a terrific job. And uh... With a, with a level head that isn't always appreciated on talk radio. I'm sorry, Jim. you you got to go rant and scream. <laughs> and, and if there was if, if there was a... I, there's a fear now you, that the, the bullpen is what you feared about the starting rotation. The starting rotation is, especially Carlos Rodon, looking like an all-star. I mean, he's on... He should be on your Cy Young balance. Um, what would you do with Michael Kopech at this point, given the current state... When you see that Hoyer and Marshall are not Cots and Polite, what would you do with Michael Kopech now, and in, and and how far into the future would you change, if at all? I, I think that's probably the best thing going right now for Tony Larusa is how he's handled Michael Kopech and and keeping him stretched out when he can in the event of a short notice start or a doubleheader, and maybe one that's coming up uh, a doubleheader might be one reason to not completely devote him to high leverage work, but. Once the schedule loosens up a little bit and you have off days where you can improvise a little bit and, and, and keep guys uh, rested uh, without you know, keeping them out of high leverage situations, you know, perhaps it's a case where they can start focusing more on one inning outings where it's, where it's key. Because I think like Cody Hoyer is where the bullpen is getting uh, thrown off. Like Liam Hendricks has had uglier innings than we thought, but he's been you know, mostly fine. Aaron Bummer took a while to get going, but aside from his last time out, He's, you know, he had eight strong outings in a row before that, so I think he's more or less back to where he used to be. But after that, or I guess in, in terms of a ball game before that, like the seventh and before, Cody Hoyer not getting it together, his, his sinker getting pounded, that's something I didn't anticipate. I had big hopes for Hoyer this year, and I think the White Sox are similarly surprised. So that, I think, is where Kopech can maybe fit in. And I think that's what Larusa tried yesterday was trying to have him go the seventh inning and then maybe the eighth inning as well. And that was a perfectly fine usage. He just got the uh, a fastball flipped out to a Yankee Stadium short porch that screwed everything up and uh, threw the whole game off. But that's, you know, that, that's just bad luck and, and being in the wrong place at the wrong time. But I, I imagine that's going to be more of, of what it's going to look like over the next couple of weeks is Kopech being used more for single inning usage for the Cody Hoyer appearances maybe knocking Hoyer down a level uh, to where he's in, you know, more when they're trailing, but the game's still close situations to try to get him back on track. And then I think the other guy, too, is Garrett Crochet. You know, after he came back from the uh, his brief stay on the injured list, stuff looked a little sharper. The velocity was up like a, a tick more. The sharper had a little bit more of a defined break. So I'm hoping that he can also step into that role because he hasn't been hit hard this year. Uh, he's been, you know, giving up some soft contact and an occasional line drive, but He's been able to stay off the barrel. So I think if his stuff is sharper than it was in April and he's loosened up and he's back to throwing like 99, even if he's not quite hitting 101, he's somebody who can also slot into that uh, situation. But right now it seems like uh, the usage with him and the situations are more conservative. Back to Carlos Rodon. What do you make of what he's doing? Is he just matching the his pedigree finally having been a you know people forget a third overall draft pick years ago by by mm-hmm. Kenny Williams is this is this sustainable is this who he is now <laughs> it's basically like the last six years never happened it's kind of like his, his NC State <laughs> scouting report 
coming to life. And and if you can forget that you know he was non-tendered and there was a very good reason to non-tender him, mm-hmm. then he matches that that NC State report with the high 90s fastball and the devastating yeah. slider. And I think that was the most impressive thing about his start against the Yankees was the slider from the very first pitch it was on. And he hadn't had that pitch basically all year or it took a, you know, three or four innings for it to arrive and use his changeup to get guys off his fastball before that. But that slider was basically as good as we've ever seen it. And I'm, you know, I'm just as shocked as anybody else because when he was re-signed, I thought, oh, great, you know, just White Sox settling for the familiar. And when yeah. I saw the to-do list that Ethan Katz gave him in the offseason, it seemed like so much, like, oh, you just have to use your legs more. You have to uh, uh, you quiet your mechanics. You have to figure out fastball command. You have all these things that he couldn't figure out over six years. He suddenly had on a list for one winter. And I don't know exactly how he got it done, but it seems like, you know, he's who I point to. And I think Carson Fulmer is also who I point to when just trying to say what Chris Sale did is really, really hard. You know, going from college to the pros with barely any time in the minors, brief stop in the bullpen, and, and basically having to figure out a routine and what works in live time against competition that's trying to embarrass him. And I think, you know, Rodon got by on the sheer strength of his fastball and slider, but really didn't know exactly how to refine it, how to use it, uh, how to prepare in between starts, how to prepare in the winter. It just seemed like he was making it up as he went along, and the White Sox were more or less hoping his talent would win out, and it never quite did. So, you know, maybe this uh, non-tendering combined with having a new pitching coach, just a new voice in there, and having a new pitching coach who also needed to prove himself uh, and, and wanting to have a plan for everybody and not just, you know, coasting with his first job on, on you know, high-octane arms. Maybe that's the combination he needed to just come up with a, a plan, a real, uh, real way to prepare himself for uh, every, you know, dominating well maybe not dominating but just succeeding every five days and i think maybe even the level of domination he's found you know maybe he's uh, not sounding surprised but I-, I wouldn't be uh shocked if he were a little bit amazed by himself right now our guest is jim margallis of socksmachine.com terrific stuff he and josh nelson put out and i would recommend their website go visit it go learn about the socks i i have a question about nick madrigal he is he mm. must annoy opponents terribly with that two-strike approach and being able to get a bat out there and just deliver one annoying hit after another. He must annoy the White Sox with just some brutal defense and comparably brutal base running at times. Did the White Sox know what a fielding disaster he is? Or is it just me who's seeing this and and in reacting in abhorrently over it? Uh, no, and I, I don't think anybody saw him struggling the way he struggled with, like, the, the finer points of the game. And, and watching the game yesterday, you know, the Gordie Howe hat-trick, uh, a goal assist of fights, we saw the Nick Madrigal hat-trick, which was an impossible single, a uh, base running mistake, and then an error where he rushed himself and kind of lost the entire clock of the play. And, Actually, you know, it was a two yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, right. But watching him come up the, you know, watching him, you know, a little bit at Oregon State, and then watching him more as he came up in the minors, it seemed like a lot of his success at those lower levels was built on just like out hustling, out grinding, out, you know, his hit tool, just, uh, just winning the day, basically. Like he just his desire trumped all, and now you get to the major league level where everybody 
basically wants it as much as he does. You know, you don't basically stick in the majors unless you have the combination of talent and then just the drive to never lose your job. You know, the the the, the sheer hustle doesn't do it anymore. And so when when you when you saw his mistakes in the base the running department last year, like that was a lot of it was just trying to take first to third on outfielder arms that could catch up to him. Or you know, I, I guess in in the case of the uh, line drive, like getting caught too far off and then not quite knowing like what his speed does anymore. And then defensively, I think, you know, during spring training, he made some nice plays, some nice, you know, uh, I call them finer point plays where it's, you have to angle your body to get a throw off. You have to do a quick pivot while keeping your hands in place to field the ball. Like he had that at, at uh, Oregon state and he had that even enough to play a shortstop. He got booted off shortstop, but by a superior defender, he could have played it if they needed him to. And even in the minors, he had the ability to make plays on the other side of seconds, get rid of the ball very quickly. He had a, like, I thought Yolmer Sanchez had a faster exchange, but really nobody had faster hands than Yolmer Sanchez, at least, you know, uh, in, in terms of uh, White Sox second baseman. Madrigal came close. But it seems like in the majors, he's just had a really hard time setting his clock and, and knowing how much time he has after the first thing doesn't go right. And in the case of that play, the double error he made against the Yankees, like, he dropped the line drive, but he he collected fast enough to still have multiple outs to in front of him, whether it was flipping the second, getting the first, getting the first, and then maybe catching the runner in between first and second. But he just panicked and thought like, Oh, Brett Gardner got to get rid of it and just fired it wildly and end up giving up, uh, you know, basically the equivalent of three bases uh, with a double error. And yeah, it, it's, I'm surprised that it's lasted this long. I can imagine some rookie jitters, but, you know, given that he's now 50 games and two seasons into a career and he's had an offseason to prepare in a full spring training where he knows the job is his, like, I would expect it to slow down right now and just for whatever reason, it has not. I, I, I think, and correct me if you think I'm wrong here, Jim, I think the White Sox will let him keep playing through it, sort of like they did with Tim Anderson at shortstop who mm-hmm. has gotten much better at being a shortstop and a hitter for for that matter in Tim's case so I assume they're not gonna they wouldn't consider pulling the plug or you know redirecting him after this season or even during the season yeah I think this full season is going to be sticking with Madrigal through the growing pains figure out what he has afterwards I think after the season is where it gets a little bit interesting because uh, this past winter there are a number of good second baseman who could be had for one-year deals who just you know, didn't find a hot market for them. Colton Wong and Cesar Hernandez uh, were among them who are good on-base guys who can play uh, gold-glove caliber defense, and they signed for one year and a negligible amount of money. So if it's a similar kind of market, Madrigal, you know, he hits 300 or close to it, but not a whole lot of extra base hits and is making these errors and his base running is not plus, it, it does present an interesting opportunity to improve a position uh, for not a lot of money, if if the market is what it was last year, so I'm hoping, and I think the White Sox are hoping too, that they just have to deal with it. Uh, you know, stick through a couple of tough months because as we saw at that single that he had, he can do some things that nobody else can, and you just hope that at the end of the season, the things that he can do uh, more than offsets what he can't do or what he's really struggling to do. Um, it surprises me that he's this rough in the field, and I hope that you know I'm surprised for a reason. And, you know, we've seen it you know, with a number of other White Sox players where you're surprised by how they look and they just never get out of it. Um, but here's hoping because it, it's, it, you know, his hands are fine. It's just the clock, to me, that's the issue. Jim, we appreciate your time. 
Thank you for joining us. Do quality work at SoxMachine.com. We always enjoy having you on. Thanks again for taking time out in this big, this apocalyptic series in the White Sox in New York. <laughs> Thanks. It's always time. a pleasure. All right. This is Jim Margallis, SoxMachine.com. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're um, so one of the textures asked, because Mark had mentioned, Mark, you mentioned about unwritten rules in radio, like there are unwritten rules in every sure. job baseball right? right but but then you also told told the texter if he if we told them we'd have to kill him and he backed off quickly right is that we told whoa, whoa 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 first of whoa, all that whoa. i that was not my text i'm glad you brought that yeah, up that i was would me. never over text threaten murder so that was trash panda that was not me oh come on i was joking <laughs> okay we would all only right, threaten them in this case there is a unwritten rule is when you get Audio like CC Sabathia ripping on the manager. We have to play it. So that's that's anytime there's a rant. Do we ever miss a chance yes. to play the Lee Ely rant? Hell no. We even brought Les Grobstein on because he was there. So we're gonna play the uh, that's we're gonna play the uh, the CC part of the CC Sabathia rant against Tony Larusa and what he did. Great. Also, one of the we'll talk about the. We have another matter on the show. I, I want to bring up a possible conspiracy theory that involves Trash Panda and Mar- one of Mark's legendary segments that will be brought, will bring to you at the top of the hour what Mark heard. So I think we need mm. to discuss this. We need maybe some radio therapy. We need to get this all out. We'll see if we can get some transparency in radio, too. Okay? All right. That's what's planned next on Saturday Suckage. Doesn't that sound like Saturday Suckage? Well, even if it does, it does, especially since I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, that that really sucks. There we go. (laughs) I'm Steve Rosenblum's Mark Grody. Yes, it is. Yeah, a sucking Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It sucks and it freebases. This is what I was telling you when they hired him. Like, he's just so out of touch with the game. And most people are, cuz. Like, I sit here and watch Christopher Russo on. MLB Network. He's out of touch with the game, cuz. Like, Tony La is out of touch with the game, cuz. He should not be managing one of the best teams in the American League, period. The fact that Tim Anderson, the basically the captain of their team, had to go on Instagram and step up for his teammate. Like, yeah, the game wasn't over. If you're going to put a position player in there to pitch, guess what? If he's going to lob over the plate, we're going to tee off. Put a 10-run rule up there, cuz. If y'all don't want to see people get embarrassed and you don't want to see position players pitch and people swing on 3-0 counts and all that, then make it a 10-run rule so the game will be over and you don't have these stupid-ass unwritten rules. <laughs> and that was only half of what CC Sabathia said. Going off on Tony LaRussa and, and getting mad at... I understand why LaRusso is, all right, I, I got to punish this guy. I got to, he ignored the take sign. But we know those things generally get taken care of in-house. And when it wasn't, players, ex-players like CC Sabathia react on the R2C2 podcast. And that's what you heard, so... <laughs> I got a kick out of that, Mark. Did you? When you when you first yeah, came across and I, that, I, I and, and I don't know if like like if CC Sabathia is is like that. If he's like 
really goes goes in on people typically, but my first thought was, when did Tony hurt you, Cece? Tell us. <laughs> show us. Show us on the little doll. Where did he on hurt you? Like, I, like I was just like, wow. Like, so, like I'm trying to like cross paths and and see like what where along the way, Cece's got some venom for for Tony, but or maybe it was just conceptually. Like maybe he was just waiting for uh, uh, the unwritten rules of baseball to come up in something similar to this because that seems to be his pet project right there. Cece going in right. on Tony Law. I do think as an ex-player, what you look at is, wait, what happened to the unwritten rule about protecting your players? <laughs> I, I, right? Isn't that what a yeah. manager's no, supposed you're right. to do? And I think yes. that as, a, as an ex-player, I think that was a, a big part of it. There, it may have been, I love that, show us on the little doll. <laughs> wow. so, so where did he hurt you? Where show. did he hurt you? And I, I, I love that idea, but I do think that that that's part of LaRusso's hypocrisy. And I, I think it's a big s- steaming pile of it when you have, when when you don't, you oh, respect for the game. Well, how about respect for your players? You didn't just disrespect your own player. You endangered him. You gave the code red for the Twins to throw at him. And they did. And so Duffy got three games and Baldelli got one and, and Colonel Tony Jessup didn't get any, even though he ordered the code red, and it, it's <laughs> yeah, just an awful thing. But I think that was, I think that was a large part of his outrage. And I gotta believe that he, that CC Sabathia resents the. I don't know. Did he ever play for Buck Showalter? I'm trying to think of who he played for mm. that might be in this cloud of yeah. old school redhouses. Right. Yeah, you know but, what? That's a, that's a good question. Know. Like we'd ha- like we'd have to we'd have to trace it, and you would think because cc sabathia you know played back then that he he would have been okay with that stuff like he would have held on to those but clearly not and right we'd have to have to do some tracing to see who did he play for in in that brief stint with milwaukee obviously all those years with the yankees the indians like who was the managers what they felt yeah i don't know who the who they was mark hart was it mike hargrove the Indians Hard, yeah, I think it was harder off. Wasn't he a little I, bit of a hard ass? I, I I don't know. That was a team with 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 a lot of characters, including Mr. Freeze, Albert Bell, and Kenny Lofton, and uh, I that was right. you know, and Jim Tomey, the nicest man in the world, and I I, I don't know. I don't I don't remember. Um, but I wonder if that was if that was part of it. I mean, and there's some I know there are managers, and Jim Riggleman's one of them who said I don't want my guys. I don't want any payback. I don't want any of my pitchers throwing at anybody because I don't want. At the time, he said, "I don't want Rhino and Gracie getting thrown at. They're they're the heart of my order." He just didn't want to start that. He wasn't going to allow that. I don't know. I've never really talked to a pitcher who said, "I don't want to do that. I don't want to get my guys hurt." While some pitchers we know have famously said, "Well, I'm protecting my guys," or 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 going to go about it some way to exact revenge and be a, a clubhouse hero. So. I, I don't know what I'd never heard Sabathia on that, but I want to hear you on. Yeah, this. well, you I know, think I think we need to do is we need to do like a a Rosenblum and Grody investigation, like a special sidebar sidebar Rosenblum and Grody investigate who hurt CC Sabathia 
and we can go back to all of his managers and we could kind of we can narrow it down and it was like that 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 special they did on John Benet, like who killed John Benet Ramsey, where they had all the investigators sitting around a couple of years ago, and I think whoever did it got sued. But anyway, uh, you know, we Wait, can narrow it down. We don't and want say, to go there. We don't want to go there. <laughs> we no, don't we don't want to go sued. there. But that we can narrow it down and be like, based on our findings, we have decided that it was Mike Hargrove or whomever that hurt CC Sabathia that called him to go on that filthy outrage on his podcast about Tony LaRusso. Who hurt CeCe? Can we can we investigate this my theory of a show conspiracy first before we investigate that? I'd love to. I'm dying to hear this. Okay. So for this last several weeks and we've done the 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 segment we're going to do at one o'clock, the near award winning segment What Mark Heard in which Mark Grody hears stuff during the week and brings it to us. He shares it with the yeah. class, and we discuss right. these things that he's heard. Uh-huh. So there is usually so much goodness in what Mark Grody hears mm-hmm. that it takes two segments. And what has happened is the second segment somehow gets hijacked because... Toby calls oh, and Toby yeah. calls during one of those segments and then trash Panda puts him up. And in fact, runs the, we have a, we're the show that has a walk up intro for a caller. And that caller is Toby and he's the only one who calls. And that's when it happens. I will say though, but, but wait, hey, wait, 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 there's no part of the, cause wait, Hold on, hurricane conspiracy. You'll have a chance to defend yourself. But there are often times where Toby has called and not gotten on the air. And then what happens right. is, Mark, he emails you. And then you yes. out, you call out Trash Panda on the air. So I think my conspiracy is this. As a Trash Panda calls Toby and said, hey, Mark's doing a segment. Why don't I put you on the air as a way of getting revenge on you ratting him out on Toby's emails? Oh my God! Yeah, no, that's absolutely not what happens. Like, well, well, I expect I would you love, to say that. I would love. We're gonna hook up the. the I would polygraph. love. Like, listen, if that's what was happening, I would tell you. Like, I don't. That's, that's not what's happening. It's pure coincidence. If anything, Toby just wants to ruin the segment. And also, of course, he has his own walk-up music because no other show has a guest like Toby. He is unique. He is singular, so he gets his own walk-up music. All right. Well, I don't. I don't know. I have not heard it disproven. I just. I trash pandas are devious little things, right? And it's true. Yeah. Why, why does I he actually saw, not end up on the radio? And I actually I get saw. A, I actually saw a real life <laughs> trash panda this week, guys. On the walking around on the on my street. Were you back home? No, this was in my in in Chicago on my street in Chicago. And did you feel at home? Was there a kinship, a brotherhood of trash pandas, you and them? Oh, yeah, we, smiled at, to, we smiled at did, each other. Did you have to apologize for your dad shooting the brethren of the trash pandas standing in his house? I think and, I killed more trash pandas in my life than my dad has. Did you fire more bullets, though? I, I kind of imagine Shooter standing there inside the house, opening the window, and Alice going, oh, Lord, he's doing it again. 
and just emptying magazine after magazine after magazine and missing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, first, hey, my dad's a good shot. He doesn't miss often. But, uh, no, that's not, not – yeah, I mean – Okay, well, I don't know what else. I was trying to say. It there. seems flummoxed by my conspiracy theory, Mark. Does he sound at the least bit innocent to you? No, because I'm still trying to figure out why sometimes that he doesn't take the Toby phone call, and then I don't see why his name. It just somehow, some magically, he <laughs> takes them. Oh, so you're you're discriminating on the when the somebody call? How many calls are we missing back there? So if it's not Toby, if it's like. Joe Schmo, you're like, you know what? Screw this. I'm not going to screen this call. Is that what's well, going on? Well, it depends on, on the conversation you guys are having. Okay. Ah. But we're having a conversation during what Mark heard. Our near like if you really segment, you're not shy about just walking. Well, because in Toby, Toby like... is the one that emailed and complained about not getting on air. If more listeners right, complain about Mark... not getting on air, I'll let them on. And then Mark outed you, and you were getting that's true. Not... Now I'll give you Toby. Yeah. I'll give Trash Panda that. I will say this. I think Toby has intimidated Trash Panda a little bit. So now when he does call, it does it like he just like stops everything. We could be talking to the president and he'd be like, Oh, we, I got I got to get we? Toby on. Really? He's gonna he's gonna email he's gonna email Grody. Well wait. <laughs> I can't Trash, have that. <laughs> Trash Panda can't even get someone from the White Sands pupfish on. Now all of a sudden we're going to have Joe Biden on? Is that how this Because is we can't figure out if that team exists or not. Well, they have a schedule for this year. They I have a schedule. They That's that true. Doesn't, you know, I could make a schedule for a baseball team. It doesn't mean that the team's real. Right. You could make a phone call to Toby and get him on during Mark's near-reward-winning segment, too. I don't have Toby's number. Well, he calls. You must know it's him. Because we it calls up, comes yeah. up on caller ID. He's... Yeah. All right. Well, then, then you have his number. I'd never write the number down. Guilty. How convenient. <laughs> well, I think the Rosenblum and Grody investigations is off to a wonderful start. I think we've got a great podcast right. going, and we'll be on TV. We'll be the Rizzoli and Isles of sports talk. Okay. Who? All right, we're going we're gonna to take. That wasn't that with the, the two women on, was it USA? Rizzoli and Isles? Wasn't that wasn't Jason Seahorn's wife? Wasn't wasn't Angie Harmon? There's a pizza place down the street called Rosati's. Yeah, but I yeah, no, this I is Rizzoli and Isles. It's on yeah, one of the many cable things. But all right, we're gonna take a break now. Okay. And when we yeah. return, we will do our near award-winning segment, "What Mark Heard." We will all learn what Mark really? heard this week. And we aren't we? Are we going to do that? It comes as a surprise to you, <laughs> at least until Trash Panda sabotages it. So let's do that. How's yeah, that no, I've got some. I've got some things lined up for us. I heard. I heard things. I heard things. You heard things. What Mark heard, we'll find out. What Mark heard next on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 